This is Trends and Issues in Instructional Design, Educational Technology, and Learning Science, hosted by Abby Brown and Tim Green. Hi, this is Tim, and I'm here with Abby. Hi, this is Abby, and I'm here with Tim. Welcome to episode 210 of our podcast, where we review the trends and issues in instructional design, educational technology, and learning sciences that we observed as we flip resources into our Flipboard magazine over the past two weeks. In this episode, we have four trends that we'll discuss, along with a recommended reading that goes with each of the four trends. We end the episode by peering into the crystal ball and making predictions about the trends we believe we'll observe in the upcoming two weeks. Abby, let's begin with our four trends and our recommended readings. Thank you, Tim. You know, every now and then I also just, I think it's important that we remind uh, everyone listening that we're looking at the trends and issues as they are reflected in relatively popular media. We're not looking at journal articles, like peer-reviewed journal articles. We're really looking at what, what the general public is seeing popularly. So uh, having said that, we do have our four topics. Our very first one is hardware and software. Not shocking. (laughs) Not shocking at all, right? This is regularly uh, kind of either number one or one of the four trends. Correct, yeah. And so this past two weeks, one of the big pieces of news of the past two weeks was a hardware issue. In the United States, 20 internet companies have agreed to provide deeply discounted service to people with low incomes. And this is uh, an important shift. I mean, for those of us who are in instructional technology, this means that there's greater access in, among a larger population. So we're very glad to see that uh, progress. Uh, other articles included uh, better labs designed for helping combat nearsightedness. This was a hardware thing, but it has to do with um, computing and computing tools in a weird way. The design itself is actually a pair of glasses that have no lenses in them, but they emit light at the same frequency range as uh, sunshine because sunshine is important to the development of the eye. And what what we've been seeing, we, the general population, has been seeing is greater nearsightedness, especially among young people. And that's because they're not outside getting as much sunshine. That's what we think anyway. But so this is an opportunity to help uh, resolve that issue to to some extent for those people who can't get outside or don't get outside. There's also another piece of hardware with Sonos, the the speaker people, uh, voice control digital assistant, which is radically different from uh, the Amazon digital assistant and Google Home and Apple's product because it does not send the... um, recordings uh, to a remote server. It's all it's all locally based, so it's considered a good deal safer in terms of just privacy. Then there was Acer's new external monitors with stereoscopic 3D, which frankly, just to me, just looked like science fiction, but it's really cool. You don't have to wear the, uh, the, the glasses that one would typically wear to get a 3D effect. They, the uh, I haven't seen it in person. I don't think you have either, have you, no, Tim? I, no, I haven't. Nope. But we, just looking at the the illustrations for the, for the monitors and the photographs, the monitors create a sort of a digital projection holographic effect, um, but they're wildly expensive. This is still for like 
you know, in-store use, not for in-home use. Um, and then we saw Amazon's new $60 tablet, uh, which is, again, the, an, an extension on their line of inexpensive, accessible tablet devices. However, our recommended read in hardware and software is Microsoft's new line of adaptive PC accessories is made for people with disabilities by Cicely Moran for Mashable. And once again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing anyone's name. But Microsoft has a new line of adaptive PC accessories that allow for greater opportunities for input and interaction with computing tools, um, which uh, I thought was pretty neat. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, and that's uh, it's something if you've been following what Microsoft's been doing recently, and I don't know what I mean by recently, maybe the last year or two, mm -hmm. they're really into accessibility uh, and making their products more accessible. So that's Wonderful. something that they're I've noticed that they're more into they're more recently. Into, yeah. yeah, they're putting they're a lot more, of effort into it. And they're promoting it. it more. They're actually saying, this is what oh, we've got. Oh, yes, yeah, 100%. Which is terrific. Uh, number two, number two trend, instructional design and teaching strategies generally. And this is something that pops up with great regularity as well. So we're seeing some, the, two, the top two trends are, are kind of things we would expect to see in popular media. We saw a rubric for selecting Active learning technologies, a pretty good rubric, I thought. Um, we saw a great example of teaching uh, science principles via TikTok, which was really cute. It was the, I mean, the, the example was the teaching right. the Bernoulli principle, um, and that was that was kind of great. Uh, strategies to help students overcome a variety of barriers, corporate training challenges. Our recommended read, however, is uh, focused on higher ed. The recommended reading for this uh, trend is, Is Hybrid Learning Here to Stay in Higher Ed? by Daniel Lampress for EdSurge. It was an interesting, you and I were mm -hmm. talking about it before, that it's an interesting uh, sort of reflection on how hybrid teaching is still important, although in-person, on-campus activities and instruction are kind of equally or more important to a lot of students, prospective and otherwise. So uh, that was that's uh, trend number two. Trend number three: uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, and the metaverse. We haven't seen this in a while. We haven't seen it in a, in a few episodes, but we, yeah. it's definitely sort of come and gone. And yep. of course, there was a few years back; it was everywhere. Oh, ARVR was ARVR. A, it was a staple. It was a staple, right? <laughs> and yeah. and so now it had become less of one. And this is something that cycles through. Um, our world in trending and has done so for decades. But we saw a lot of articles in the past two weeks. Goggles being developed to assist combat medics, which is an example of AR. A design for mixed reality glasses to help struggling readers. It's a HoloLens uh, developed prototype that helps um, people who are struggling with uh, uh, science terms and so the, it uses uh, uh, AR to help sort of create a pop-up of uh, things that people focus on. There is also an Unreal Engine 5 demo that is nearly indistinguishable from reality itself. This was sort of the, a big buzz thing for a, a couple of days there because they, it really is. An, it's an amazing, um, I think it's, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it's a Japanese subway station that was sort of recreated uh, in in Unreal Engine 5, but it really does look 
dead on photographic exactly like the real thing. Um, then we also saw on the downside, we saw Meta is currently cutting some of its Reality Labs projects. Uh, and uh, But we did see on the upside, solving an issue with virtual reality, which is tracking users' legs. Because right now, for those of us who have experimented with virtual reality, yes, you may see a whole body, but typically it's only the upper torso that actually has movement that matches uh, input from, from external input. So uh, that was interesting. But we recommend, if you can only read one article about trend number three uh, the, it, from the past two weeks, we recommend reading this one. The Metaverse, Five Things Educators Should Know by Eric Ofgang for Tech and Learning. And I just love the fact that one of the five things is that the Metaverse is not currently here yet. Right. <laughs> it's important to well, remember. He, if you looked at some of the ads on TV, you might not think that right, that's the right. case, it's, right? You know, it's kind of like it's coming yeah. your way, but it, yeah. well, it's here, but it's actually not here yet. So it's right. an important thing to remember. Number four is a very interesting development for us. At least people like you and me, Tim, find this to be very interesting. And it's a new trend, right? I mean, it's exactly. not one we've had. Well, that's the point. It's yeah. that typically this would be folded into instructional design and teaching strategies. But we saw a significant number of articles that were specifically focused on curriculum design. And when we say that that's different from ID and teaching strategies, we're talking about the general, the larger curricular issues of, of any group that, that's, if you're preparing K-12 instruction generally, if you're comparing, if you're preparing higher ed, if you're preparing corporate, these are, these are sort of big, big, big ideas that apply across all kinds of instructional events. So we saw one article about school resiliency. This is more about K-12, but it's the idea of, of um, the resiliency, especially in the pandemic situation, that a lot of people have been sort of blaming remote instruction and remote learning. But really, it, 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 at least according to the studies conducted, that really wasn't the key factor in a lot of resiliency issues. And so it raises a question about remote and in-person and what, the, what are the differences in terms of quality and what you can do with them. So that was an interesting article. There was also turning out better thinkers and workers, kind of an opinion piece but with input from major corporations saying, look, if people are going to school and they want to get jobs, this is what we need them to be able to do. Along the same lines, we saw an article that used the term future-proofing for students, how to make sure that their education was something that would be useful to them throughout the rest of their lives, which, very interesting question. There were also questions of equity considerations, particularly for educational technology, and also designing education for all learners. So these were these are pretty big, big ideas. So we put this in the in a uh, its own trend called curriculum design, and we recommend this reading from from this topic. The way we talk about assessment matters, by Kevin Kuhn, for ASCD. And the reason he, what he's talking about specifically is how we use the terms formative and summative evaluation. He, he's saying that the perception of and the nature of formative and summative evaluation are being sort of misinterpreted um, by a lot of professional educators, which is uh, an interesting, I mean, he presents a really good uh, uh, argument for this. And, and I don't think we're arguing against him in any way. We're just right. saying this is a great read. 
It is. So uh, that, Tim, those are our four trends and our four recommended readings. Thank you, Abby. So now we turn our attention to peering into the crystal ball and uh, making predictions about the trends we believe we'll observe in the upcoming two weeks. As we normally do, Abby and I talk before we start the episode. We talk off air and we talk about what we think we're going to see. Well, hardware and software. Hardware and software. I mean, it's an ongoing trend that we don't see changing. We also think that we'll continue to see ID and teaching strategies in general. Yes, I, I think so. And we typically also see a lot about online teaching and learning, right. uh, which we ex- would expect to see come back at some point. But we, have, but we have some new stuff, right? Or we some, do. Or some well, things that we think we're going to see that well, don't fit into those two trends. That's true. We, we're, we, when we were talking about this, we were thinking that what we're going to wind up seeing in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months maybe, is more articles that are specifically about designing instruction and implementing instruction with equity and access in mind. Mm -hmm. This has become a much more discussed topic, uh, especially, I think, because perhaps because of the remote learning situation, Mm -hmm. because the, the discovery of a lot of inequalities in what's possible in terms of receiving an internet connection in certain areas or within certain communities. So um, we expect to see more about this because we've been seeing it grow in the last few months. That's, that's I think, what we can tell right now from a fairly murky crystal ball, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of episode 210. We'd like to thank our followers and viewers of our Flipboard magazine and, of course, our podcast subscribers. If you would like to listen to past episodes of our podcast or find the links to the recommended readings from this episode, you can visit our website at trendsandissues.com. Our next episode will air on June 2nd. This podcast is produced by Professor Abby Brown at East Carolina University and Professor Tim Green at California State University, Fullerton. Copyright Abby Brown and Tim Green.